genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, we are continuing our mini-series on the Spy Kids franchise with the soft reboot Lega sequel released in 2011. It's Spy Kids 4, all the time in the world. We're concluding our Spy Kids series, right? You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We are concluding. Uh, I mean, we, well, well, I, I missed that in the script. Oh, you're fine. Um, well, actually, you're, you're technically true because uh, we are going to be doing a between episode on the adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah, yeah, yes, we are. I think it's what the streets want. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, although it, it'll make for an interesting franchise potential next week because. It's technically, it's one away from becoming a legitimate franchise now. So, okay, so I'm confused. What would, would Sharkboard Lava Girl be a between episode or a franchise potential? Uh, it would be franchise potential. It comes out the same day as a between episode. Okay. What did I say? Did I say between episode? I don't know. I think you were right. <laughs> okay. and, and you said it. I was confused because. Okay. What's our between episode? Between us, so is 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 on the main feed where we talk about Spy Kids that was and the Wes Anderson that will be. Okay, that's what those are. Okay, yeah, yeah, Got it. that's what those are. Okay, yeah. so Daredevil was a franchise potential. Yeah, that's a franchise potential, and that's legit because there's no other one, just the show. Okay, and but we, this this now we're just one away from it being a legitimate franchise because we, because because we can be heroes. Exactly, which so. I have I haven't seen. I've been I've been getting asked, and I have I and have, you and you know what. <laughs> after this okay yeah, yeah i don't know that i will be <laughs> um yeah so so this is the final spy kids movie so far it uh -huh. was it was released eight years after the original yeah in, in the summer of 2011 uh so scott yeah i'm gonna take it this was not your your favorite spy kids movie i i um uh so this this movie is exactly what I was afraid the Spy Kids movies were okay. going into them. Yes. This is kind of um, what you pictured for all of them. Yeah. Like the whole time. This is what I had been picturing. Mm -hmm. And then I was very pleasantly surprised with all three. And then this one happened. And it's sort of like it, it's sort of like the Home Alone 4 <laughs> okay. of Spy Kids movies where it's just. I'm shocked that this was written and directed by Robert Rodriguez mm -hmm. because there's very little Latino connection to anything, which felt like that was like, that was like the thing about these is it's like, it's like a strong Latino family and like they're doing stuff and I'm making kids movies for like, with like kids that you didn't get to see in movies before. It was like this whole thing. And then this is just like some white kids with their like Latino, Latina, Stepmom. Step yeah. Yeah. And like Well, so that, so I I, I, I I can appreciate your your sense of that loss. 
Yeah. Um. Of yeah. Uh, but I think what it trades for that it is a a blended family, which yeah. which I appreciate it because I'm like, oh, you don't see this a lot where it's like this is my stepmom or we're a step family. Yeah. And like a biracial family, which is cool. But yeah, you're right. These are a lot. I remember just like you know visually, just the poster. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, it does seem kind of like a whitewashed, which is you know I don't want to you know like uh. We we kind of we kind of never went into this during the miniseries, but Rodriguez did have to struggle to cast like an all Latino family mm-hmm. back in 01. They were like, well, why? Why can't it be some of them or why in general? And he was like, it just, you know, but the um, parlay, I guess, is that, you know, Alexa Vega and Daryl Sabara are, you know, one light skinned person to another white passing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your racist grandpa sitting next to you isn't going to bristle at the sight of Daryl Sabara and Alexa Vega, you know? Sure. And yeah. and so, you know, like, like um, yeah, I, I, I can appreciate where, where you're coming from, but also I can kind of like, I don't know. I almost don't want to. It's like, yeah, Spike is was super important, but also like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. OK. All right. But I was I was especially surprised that this was him because there's just. There feels like there's so much less care in this mm-hmm. than any of the other ones. Like the 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 family thematics don't really make any sense. Like what does the kids falling in love with their stepmom have to do with time? Like I know what it has to do with their dad, mm-hmm. but what does it have to do with their stepmom and that relationship that he's like hammering home? Mm-hmm. You know, like Yeah, it, yeah, like all 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 three of them to their credit have been really good at at blending the villain arc and the Cortez arc and yeah. and making them both kind of wrap around at the end in a cool like, oh, I didn't expect this from a Spy Kids movie. Yeah. But, whereas this is, yeah, there's like a sentimental thing that's in all the Spy Kids movies of yeah. like the bad guy being this misunderstood person. But then also, yeah, like the kids hating their stepmom. Or not even the kid, just Rowan Blanchard's character. Um, yeah. It's like those never really connect in a satisfying way. In in general, here's what I'll say before you get into the background, because obviously we have a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah. But but um I have not, <laughs> I think, in the history of there's only one other movie that I have been this furious I had to finish watching. Oh, okay. Uh and it was Under the Skin, which I fucking I hate that movie. Oh I that, hate that it. makes so much sense, but I love that movie. I I fucking hate. Yeah. It. I despise everything about that movie, and it was made even more uncomfortable because I had to watch it with a group of people mm. in the dark. Wasn't it like, at my house? It was okay, bad. okay. It wasn't like yeah. your. It wasn't like Bethany's family, right? No, 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 no. It was like it was a it was like a weekly movie night I would have at my house. Okay, and we would alternate who would pick what movie, and the point of it was like let's watch a fun movie together. But then there was one person that was in the group who did not understand the assignment and brought under the skin because he was like, yeah, I want to have a deep, meaningful discussion about this movie. And it's like, that's not what, why we're doing <laughs> that's this. That's not what, that what this is about. <laughs> yeah. This isn't a book club. Anyway, I, I hated watching that movie, mm-hmm. but I think I might have hated watching this one more. Yeah, okay. I, what did you, you didn't get, you've never seen this either. What, what were your thoughts? So, <laughs> I, I was going to save this for a twist at the end, but uh, yeah. I, actually, I'm just going to share it now. So, I finished watching the movie. Yeah. I pull out my phone to log it on Letterboxd. Yeah. As I am wont to do. Yeah. And uh, I had already logged it. You had already seen it? I had already seen it and completely forgotten about it. <laughs> incredible. Because absolutely incredible. I was I was staring at like the little eyeball and the little like one star on my phone and I was like, 
did I rate it without seeing it? I'm like, no, that that's not something I would have done. I'm not that like. I would no. I would watch it first. I never in a million years would you ever do that. Yeah, I can, I can say that without a shadow of a doubt, <laughs> and out of spite or something. So, no, never. And I've only had Letterbox since maybe 2016, probably 2017. So I've seen this like in the last five years, and like every I was like I was having theories about who the bad guys were. Mm-hmm. I was completely like watching this for the first time. Wow. So I it's weird. I agree with you. From like a different angle on a lot of this, like okay, yeah, this is clearly the wor- the weakest one, and yeah, not a good movie. I would I would even put it below uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl in terms of being like a competent film. It's also seven million dollars cheaper than any other Spy Kids movie. Wow, yeah, I, I actually I actually neglected to look up the budget on four, but that's. Kinda. This is 27, and the next highest is the first Spy Kids, which was 35. It's weird. Like, it in a bad way, it looks more expensive, but mm-hmm. then also worse than the first movie. Does that make sense? Well, well, well you see, Nick, that's because of time and, <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and technology getting over time. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could find more ways to say the word time sure, the scripture in, does. A new, in a new puntastic yeah. way. <laughs> because, but... like... um. Because at times, this I, I wrote down in my notes, like, this feels like a normal movie. Yeah. In the worst way. You know, like, it, it feels like a normal bad movie that you're stuck with when you take your kids. It feels to me almost like a bad direct-to-video movie. Yeah, like you like, said, yeah, like the Home Alone 4, you know. With- yeah, the one where it goes back to Kevin McAllister and his parents are divorced and it's a different kid and it's a different yeah. dad. Right. Or, like, as a kid, for me, I remember going to Costco and buying... Inspector Gadget 2 with French yeah. Stewart as Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Because that was just like, you know what you did? You didn't have Net- I didn't have Netflix as a kid. If I wanted to watch something, I had to go out and find something. Yeah. Um, that being said, I actually kind of think in a, unfortunately, this does, it does feel like Robert Rodriguez directed this. Okay. Because I think this could have benefited from a fresh director. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. If this is what we get, yeah, then yes, yeah, I can't. So, I can't possibly yeah. disagree with so, that. <laughs> which I guess kind of see, and I guess to to defend that point of view, I have to go into the behind the scenes, which is which is perfect. Okay, great. Uh, the movie was born out of you know the Weinstein's always you know we're never going to say no to another Spy Kids movie. The the third one was the biggest success box office wise, and the movies had a tremendous afterlife on home DVD release and eventually Netflix. It is. It is shocking to me that robert rodriguez this guy who was like i made a movie for ten thousand dollars or however much el mariachi cost seven yeah seven oh wow okay so seven (laughs) seven thousand dollars i was barely exaggerating so so seven thousand dollars like that he wouldn't make those three movies and just be like you know maybe i should get like an up-and-coming Latino director to like direct the next one and just produce them from now on. Yeah, you and- know, it it's kind of something that I I I was thinking right on that track. It's so interesting that he created this studio in Austin, Troublemaker Studios. Yeah. And seemed to be incubating this talent of special effects people and technicians, and yet uh never like took in a protege or a neck, you know, because you look at directors like Sam Raimi or Peter Jackson. Um, or even Quentin Tarantino, eventually they do reach out and produce to like the next generation. So you get like Neil Blomkamp or right. 
Uh, I guess he kind of did that with the guy that, uh, you know, he produced Predators. Oh, um, right, right, right. Yeah. Which kind of makes a cameo in this story. But yeah, like, uh, so he was on set in, in Austin. He was making um, um, Machete, mm-hmm. which was like, uh, I, I don't the know. The first one? The first one, yeah. Okay. And, and Jessica Alba is in that one. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's in the second one, but she's definitely in the first one. And oh, she is in the second one. I just remembered what she does in the second one. Um, <laughs> so she had just, uh, she had like a one year old child at the time when she was on the set of Machete. And Robert Rodriguez remembers watching her handle being a mom and like acting. She remember one time on set, she was already in costume and makeup ready to go on a scene. And there was like a, a diaper explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, he watched like Jessica Alba handle the diaper explosion while not getting her costume and makeup dirty and still being able to do the scene. And he was like, that would make a great spy kids movie of mm-hmm. like a super mom. So if you're wondering watching spy kids for where this idea came from, it was Robert Rodriguez watching Jessica Alba handle a huge explosion of shit and not helping. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She's really struggling. <laughs> <laughs> As he fiddles with his acoustic guitar. <laughs> um, <laughs> that being, uh, and then um, there was a story I read of, um, you know, she was she was nervous Alba about uh, being a parent and juggling like a career, mm-hmm. and so oftentimes she said Rodriguez would like sit her, sit her down and give her like pep talks, and he's like, hey, like I've always had my kids with me, like. I used to get shady looks for bringing my kids into like studio meetings. Like you can totally do both and like juggle both. And it kind of adhered them. They kind of formed like a bond after that movie. And um, he started writing the script in December of 2009. Oh no, that's when he turned it in. He turned it in in December of 2009. Oh. And he at the time said he liked it because it leaned more into the parents like Spy Kids 1. Mm. Uh, he's like, yes, you know, but the sequels kind of go off on the kids more. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree with that, but like the family's very separate in this one. They're they're not they're rarely together. Yeah. Uh, which sucks because they have so much conflict within them. Yeah. They're uh well, I mean, that's yeah. Because well, like they we'll don't get, get along it. the way they go. Oh, yeah, we'll do it in the walkthrough. Yeah, we'll get into um, it. <laughs> so there were times so uh there were times like reading like interviews and stuff about the movie, what I could find. He uh something that attracted him to the project was the quote the challenge of still coming up with ideas for a spy kids movie. Mm-hmm. He was quote scraping his brain and like pulling stuff out of the first script that he wasn't able to do at the time. So it kind of sounds like this was mostly like recobbled or like really strained ideas about what else he had left in the spy kids universe. Cause like uh, just thinking about it now, every time we talked about one of these, he talks about how he's used every daydream and every doodle he's ever had as a kid. Right. There's like a dearth of really memorable like ideas and concepts in this one that I think are kind of what make the Spy Kids movie so much fun. Yeah. So he announced the movie officially at South by Southwest in 2010 when he was doing a, a Predators panel. Mm. And that's when they announced uh, in August 2011. <laughs> Perfect target audience. <laughs> hey, by the way. <laughs> Spy hey, kids. Predators fans, get ready for Spy Kids <laughs> 4. They're even younger. <laughs> yeah. The personal inspiration for the movie was him wanting to freeze time as his sons were getting older, you know, mm-hmm. time to be slipping away. And that was kind of the, And that's kind of the other thing where it's like, oh, this does feel like a Robert Rodriguez movie and that it's him kind of wrestling with these family, uh, familial ideas or, you know, universal parenting ideas with a Spy Kids movie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I guess, like why it doesn't feel to me like a total sellout, like disaster. Okay, yeah. I don't think it's like I could, you know, we could definitely argue the the way that it does all that, but I can like see what he wanted to do with this one. Uh huh. At yes. least, yeah. The script was half written, and he kind of finished it after casting the kids to meet match their personalities. Mm-hmm. For example, the Cecil Cecil, him being like a smart kind of book reading kid mm-hmm. and uh the girl rebecca being more of like a prankster that was based on like after he like getting to know them and talk to them is he uh, actually hearing impaired the actor um that i didn't look up but that's something also that i admired about the movie is like it features a, a hearing impaired character yeah um, and it'd be even cooler kind of like uh with grandpa like i didn't know that um ricardo montalban was actually in a wheelchair oh yeah right um it's definitely true so yeah that kind of does us but we open Please. Well, so we we do need to we do need to to set something straight. So this movie was called Spy Kids 4D. Oh yes, absolutely. Do you know what the fourth dimension of this movie was? Smell. It was smell, which made this movie make a lot of sense in retrospect. Oh, did you know that after you watched Afterward. it? Yeah, after I watched it, I was like, I was like, oh god, is this 4D because of smell? And I looked mm-hmm. it up, and I was like, that's why all they're constantly talking about the way things smell. Yeah, and it's it's we'll get into it in the walkthrough, but it's mostly like actively unpleasant smells. Yeah, yeah, and it's a real like '90s Nickelodeon like kid kind of vibe of like kids love nothing more than poop and farts and, and burps ups. and vomit and mm-hmm. barf. Yeah. yeah, they just they love that shit. And it's I, uh, yeah, a lot of the. I don't think I would have appreciated this without shotgunning them week after week like we have, but yeah. there's a wit and a cleverness and also a groundedness. As weird as the three Spy Kids movies are, yeah, the magic of it uh, is Junie and Carmen really feel like real siblings and real kids, yes. which I think is why kids were obsessed with those movies growing up, is they really felt connected to Junie and Carmen. Yeah. And ironically, these two, and I, it's it's weird being critical of like child's performances, but like they seem much more to be like the kid actors that Rodriguez was actively avoiding back in 2000. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think cuz there there is a kid actor thing. There is a there is a tone that a lot of Nickelodeon and Disney Channel casting directors want, mm. which is the over the top big theatrical kid performance that they can put in a sitcom like your you know sweet life or your yeah. you know and uh, uh and rowan blanchard would go on to be the titular girl in girl meets world oh oh yeah that is who that is wow i um, saw her speak at the first women's march in la back in 2017 wow <laughs> and i remember being i can't remember i remember being really inspired by her speech i was like whoa the next generation wow that's really cool yeah they are very much the sort of type the the they're doing the kind of like hammy acting that child actors do where they like they do a lot of like oh brother like kind of like yeah yeah. i i kind of realized watching i was i found myself thinking about home alone because rebecca isn't unlike kevin McAllister. yeah she loves pranks she loves tricks she's a little stinker yeah but it like yeah they're, they're it's so much more of a performance whereas like you know, Junie was actually like a quiet kid. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of a lot of movies where they just let a kid be like kind of soft spoken and insecure and just kind of normal. It's also like 
Is Cecil struggling with anything in this movie? <laughs> he seems to just be like, yeah. being like, wow, you're being a real bitch, like to his sister. <laughs> with, like, with this big old open quantum physics book in his lap. Yeah. Like yeah. he just constantly just be like, hey, how about you deal with your shit? You dumb. Hey, <laughs> hey you're, you know, I like I haven't, I'd never thought about that, but you're right. He has no arc. He's just no, nothing. He's smart. Yeah. And he, yeah, like the whole time, because Rebecca is like, I hate stepmother. Stepmother sucks. I want to kill stepmother. And Cecil's like, ugh, whatever. I'm yeah, going to turn, I'm going to turn my ear things, my earplugs down. My earplugs. Yeah. Hearing, yeah. Hearing aids. Hearing aids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like even there, I don't know, like there could be any pair of kids in a movie. Yeah, they don't feel like they they don't feel like brother and sister, and they certainly don't feel like twins. Which oh, I didn't even realize they were twins. They're supposed to be twins. Yeah, wow. get twins. Yeah. Hollywood's crazy yeah. with twins. I know they have to be twins because the hours. Yeah, There's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They're supposed <laughs> to be twins, and and they they just absolutely do not buy. I don't buy them as twins at all. Oh, I, I wanted to ask you this because um, yeah. I don't know the answer, but I, I wanted to get your perspective. So the I was like, should is it was it a mistake to go with another brother and sister? Like, does that immediately invite like just a rehashing? It just seems like reheated spy kids. But the advantage is you get a boy and a girl. You, I don't know if you just want one or the other. Yeah, kids love to the, pretend yeah. they're they are the movie. You know. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is. Like I, you get to the end of this movie where they wake up all of the kids and they're like looking directly at the camera and being like, "You're a spy kid," like, yeah, you know, real Uncle Sam, you know, kind of move. <laughs> and and all these kids are sort of like becoming chosen, being chosen to be a new spy kid. And I was like, "Well, that's the movie I want to see." Like, I just <laughs> want to see like. Two yeah. like two friends where one of them gets to be a spy kid and the other one oh, doesn't. Oh, that's what that great! Means. Yeah. yeah, like a like a maybe two loser kids who are like, well, at least we have each other, and then one of them gets drafted into the OSS spy kids yeah. program, and then right. the, norm, the normal kids like, oh, I'm along here too. That would see great. you just you just write <laughs> it writes itself. Like it's yeah, it's not hard to write a spy <laughs> kids movie. It's just that, like, I think Robert Rodriguez is just out of ideas or isn't in that open imagination yeah. place anymore. It's, you know, it's so yeah, like seeing him, seeing him make his own absence or dearth of original ideas as a challenge to overcome, create yeah. is at once kind of like bittersweet and admirable. Yeah, like, it doesn't work. And like you said, like, yeah, you, you, you give this to a younger writer or filmmaker or even just like someone that hasn't made one yet. And it's right. like, hey, spy kids, take those two words and, and run with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I, one of the things that I was thinking about while, while watching the movie and we'll, we'll get to the breakdown, but the, For there's sure. not a lot to it, to be honest. It is very like like everything in this is the lowest common denominator like. Like poop, fart, barf jokes, which is not what the rest of the movies were. I mean, you would make jokes about how Carmen's feet stink, but like that was kind of it. Like, there was that's, never, that's, yeah, like there was never a, a moment where Junie was throwing bags of his own vomit at the bad guys, which is a moment that happens in this movie. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> it's full of that, right? All of the kids' stuff is really stupid. And I don't mean that, I, I mean that like in the most like definitive way of like no everything that they say is like 
not particularly well thought out. These are not smart kids like Junie and Carmen. There's nothing special about these kids. Like, it, and 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 all of the humor is like really, really like bargain basement kid movie comedy. Mm-hmm. But then the plot of the movie with Jeremy Piven's uh, TikTok slash Time Master slash sure, that whole thing, yeah, that whole thing, and like him wanting to go back in time, and there being multiple versions of him. It's all super, super complicated, way more complicated than any villain plot in any other Spy Kids movie. And I wonder if the dumbness Mm -hmm. of all of the kids stuff and parents stuff, if it's so dumb because he's overcompensating for how complicated all of the like the MacGuffin and and villain stuff is. That's true. Like, you know, we. The, the 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 TikTok plot, this is the least I've ever understood what was going on in a Spy Kids movie plot-wise. Yeah. Where I'm like, I don't know how they, I can't remember how they got in this building that they're in, and I don't know what they're trying to do. Because yeah. there's like a pendant that everyone wants, and then we get into like, we it honestly kind of touches like Donnie Darko material mm-hmm. towards the end that we'll get into, that yeah. I was not planning on thinking about in the Spy Kids movie. Yeah. It kind of just feels like it, uh, this is also why I've avoided watching We Can Be Heroes is because, like, it seems like it, it, the target audience is getting younger as I'm getting older. Sure. Like, it seems like this. I don't know if I would have been into this when I was 11 or 12 because it seems like it's made for, like, Nick Jr. kind of age kids. Yeah. But and, and the thing that's weird about that is it's like, but, but why? Like, that's not who... That's not who Spy Kids was for. I have a theory, and this is, I don't, I don't, I'm not crazy about attaching filmmakers, the stuff filmmakers can do by their age. Uh-huh. Because um, I have empathy for, you know, you can't control what stories you want to tell or whatever. Sure, sure, but sure, But sure. I think the older you get, because I look at John Hughes. John Hughes told such great, sharp, unflinching looks at being a teenager. And then as he got older and more middle-aged, his stuff got more juvenile. That's true. And this kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Huh. Yeah. You're not wrong about that. Okay. So let's try and break this down. So we open with Jessica Alba watching a supervillain known as TikTok, which it was a weird thing for people to keep saying and and it not being a social media site. Yeah. It's a real, Uh, uh, it's like Twilight or Twitter. You know, it's like those words just can never mean the same thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she's, she's watching TikTok make a deal for like some kind of like CD thing. Oh, oh, oh you're, you're, you're saying CD. You're not saying compact disc. Yeah. Compact disc, okay, right? They're saying CD like he was buying some porn or like. Oh, no, no. CD. Okay. Like a it. little mini CD. So they try to jump him. He gets away. She chases him down. This is where we get the reveal that she is uh, yeah. nine months plus pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a I had a revelation during because so she's like zipping through it's like a car chase right yeah as she's going into labor yes and yes. the 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 guy that his M her M is like you gotta pull back you're you're, you're pregnant doll you what are you doing so she's driving around she drives past the Capitol building in Austin yeah and I have the revelation I think he only shoots this the one like mile and a half radius of Congress Street in Austin like over yeah. and over again yeah. 
Like oh he never he doesn't go beyond that. This is all a very centralized area that this all the four of these movies take place in. Yeah. So anyway, so she gets TikTok eventually. She kicks a bunch of people's asses mm-hmm. as her water breaks. Yeah. Uh, and then TikTok, who is very obviously played by Jeremy Piven. How is, how is then, it obvious, Scott? He has um, a, a higher pitched voice, <laughs> a, a crazy wig, and if I'm remembering correctly, steampunk goggles. I think I think that Robert Rodriguez just underestimate. That's the <laughs> thing is like I feel like this movie constantly underestimates a child's intelligence. Right. I think that's whereas thing. none of the other ones did. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. if anything, those those movies really understood that kids want. I mean, look at Harry Potter. You yeah. know, like kids love enveloping themselves in rich, complicated worlds with like rules and relationships. And yeah, yeah like the OSS is a much lamer version of itself in this movie compared to the other three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. um, So, yeah. So obviously Jeremy Piven and then Jeremy Piven, another Jeremy Piven mm-hmm. gets out of the car and, and he's the M. Yeah. And Danger like, D'Amico. Yeah. Tells her to get herself to a goddamn hospital <laughs> and because she's having a fucking baby. So you immediately, then, Scott, watching this movie, you're like, well, that's Jeremy Piven and that's Jeremy Piven. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately. And you were yeah, confused yeah. why the characters weren't <laughs> reacting similarly. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I was extremely confused. So during all of this, she calls her husband, who is, you know, the father of this child Mm -hmm. that she's about to have. And it's Joel McHale. Yeah. Really thought he was signing up for a Robert Rodriguez movie. I can only imagine. Right. I don't. Had he ever been in a Robert Rodriguez movie up to this point? I don't think so. And I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they're a good fit. Like, yeah, I I don't know. I, I guess I'm trying to imagine him in like another like the faculty or like yeah i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know i'm right there with you (laughs) the most i've ever loved joel McHale is community like i wasn't yeah a big soup soup guy yeah so i I don't think this role really plays because he's very much like i think they want him to be a himbo but i don't think joel McHale is capable of being that he's just such a sharp presence you know yeah no i i completely agree they're trying to get him like there's a little bit of a himbo energy to him in this. And then there's also his uh, that time that he was in the American pilot for the IT crowd where he was playing the Chris O'Dowd role. Oh, I never saw that. Yeah, there's a little bit of that vibe in this as well. Where Is he kind like of kind of a nerd. Yeah, okay. hapless kind of nerd sort of, which also doesn't work for it's him. Kind of, it kind of reminds me of like back in the 50s or 60s where you would see like a nerd or a dork, but it would still be like a square shouldered all American. Like he was a nerd because he wore like a sweater vest. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I was like walking away from this movie, I was thinking about everybody's performances, right? I'm not Mm -hmm. super impressed with the kids. (laughs) I think that Jeremy Piven's having a lot of fun. I will give him that. I, I feel like he showed up and knew what movie he was in and was like, all right, like I, I saw what Sylvester Stallone did. You know, I saw I saw what Steve Buscemi did. You know, like, I want to bring I, that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to bring that energy. And and I think he did does an admirable job, even if he, he tries to go for the Oscar toward the end. And that was a little too much. Right. But <laughs> I will say, uh, l- l- listeners, I uh, I shotgunned all of Entourage this summer. 
yeah. uh, in between X-Men movies. And it's, it was, it's weird. Like as much as he is playing these big characters, there is still a lot of Jeremy yep. Piven in there. Yep. Oh. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like oh, yeah. little arm movements and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's still just Ari Gold. Just like yeah. Every- I mean, that's the thing. That's why it doesn't matter what character he's playing. I'm always going to know who it is with, with one exception, right. but we'll get there. Okay. So yeah. I was watching this and I was like, the one performance in this that I actually think like they showed up, they fucking acted their asses off. They were like, I'm going to be in a goddamn Spy Kids movie and I'm going to make it the best Spy Kids movie I could possibly be is Jessica fucking Alba. She she rules in this she's really really good and it's a bummer that the movie that she's in is not as good as the other spy kids movies because she would have wrecked it i think yeah you know i've as like as a as a 2000s kid now i have a lot of like like i'm glad that jessica alba's like ended up being like a multi-billionaire with like i think she looked like a beauty product thing because i always felt like she was such a the way the pop culture treated her in the 2000s was so she was, it was exa- I mean, it was exactly the same as like Megan Fox. Exactly. It was the like, same school it, of sexism and, yeah. the, the, you know, the way people treated her on like the red carpet and in interviews and directors, you know, like you yeah. hear about Tim's story and stuff. And so it's like, it's really cool watching her get to just like have fun and like, yeah, really play a character. And you really buy her wanting t- uh, Rowan Blanchard to like accept her and yes. like her struggle. It's like, yes, yeah, straight out of. Yeah, she like the, the the stakes are real for her character. Yeah, yeah, she always feels like a real character the entire time. Like it bums me out that this is one of the better performances I've seen from her. And it's because she didn't have to worry about. She's in a kids movie. She doesn't have to worry about the director being like, "Hey, what if we, you know, just crazy thought? What if you took off your clothes and just were in your underwear in this scene?" Have you heard the crying story? No, um, there's a part in one of the Fantastic Four movies where and I don't want to bash on Tim's story, but <laughs> but apparently she was like crying in the scene mm-hmm. and the and the director was like, hey, don't you're scrunching your face up too much. It doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look attractive. You know what? Just stand there. We can CG the tear in afterward. Jesus, like that kind of bullshit. And wow. so and like you said, Scott, yeah, it's really cool watching her be in this kid's movie where she can be big and not worry about being like sexy 2000s starlet yeah yeah absolutely yeah it it just it bums me out like she should have had her and megan fox both are like it's that 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 you know (laughs) it's that thing (laughs) where they are they are a character actress like trapped in the body of like of like a, a hot leading actress like Person. Sure. Yeah, it reminds me of like when Olivia Munn was in X Men Apocalypse, where it was yes. like in her mind she was like, "I'm John McClane. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do sci stuff." And like, "Oh no, you're just here to like do poses and like be sexy. We don't want you to like actually yeah. be a character, be a real character." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so she rules in this movie, and it and it was like bumming me out. Like, just like I was just like having like a Jessica Alba like. <laughs> career retrospective in my brain like while i was watching this and i was just getting bummed out um so i hope they work together again and and we can be heroes too or whatever oh yeah okay so we learn that their dad joel McHale, is something is, is he stars in a show that's called spy hunter and the joke is that he's a spy hunter and he's married to a spy and he has no idea 
And that's the ongoing joke in the whole thing. It's a real, like, Lois Lane is an investigative reporter and doesn't know that Clark Kent is Superman kind of like yeah, it, it feels like it, it feels like an animated series move. It reminds me of like Danny Phantom, where mm-hmm. Danny was half ghost, but his parents were ghost hunters. And every episode was like, oh, they almost found out this week. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I, I want to talk to you about the premise of a spy hunter TV show, because yeah. that would get people killed. No, what I love about that is it treats spy hunter the show. <laughs> it's, it's just Joel McHale being like, did we see a spy? We may never know. You know and like, was, and it, was this yeah. really a spy? Or yeah. Was it a but, weather balloon? Yeah. But it's, it's literally like, it's like a cryptid show. Like it's treating yeah. spies like they're cryptids. Mm-hmm. Like, like they see some guy like walking through the forest and they're like, was that a spy? Uh, I like, thought I finally caught a spy. Yeah. But yeah. It, was, it was just a, 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 a wet plastic bag on a stick floating down a river. Yeah. Cause in this world, I guess spies are like superheroes right it can't it can't mean what it would mean in the real world which is like this guy was trying to steal like information from a russian consumer and now he died in his hotel and i I don't know how which is which is a huge like as far away from the original intention from spy kids where the first scene in spy kids is literally them being like yeah we almost killed each other but then we fell in love like we were hired to murder each other but mm-hmm. instead of murdering each other, we started dating. <laughs> and, and, and I guess this is what bleeds into what Scott and I were saying about um, this feels dumber than the other three. Because yes. like, you're trying to imagine this world existing in the world of the previous three, which are goofy as hell, but are taking themselves seriously. Yeah. yeah. And this feels yeah, it feels like a Nickelodeon show. Yeah. Yeah. And I Joel guys. McHale's name is Wilbur. By the way, yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone look less like a Wilbur <laughs> than Joel McHale. <laughs> like that's a yeah, that's a that's a cop name. You know what I mean? Like your name, <laughs> yeah. your, that's an under undercover name. Yeah, he's Wilbur. She's Marissa. Yeah, Marissa. That's my sister. Marissa. Name. Rebecca is the the little girl, and mm-hmm. Cecil is the boy. All right. So I, I I have to mention. I have to give credit where credits due. Mm-hmm. There's one moment in this entire movie that I rewound and watched again and laughed both times. Okay. And I'm going to give it. It's the only time that I ever I, laughed. I, I have one as well, but it's much later. Okay. So for me, it is the dad is, is leaving for work hmm. and he's like, uh, I don't know, uh, watch the dog. And he's like, or feed the dog. And he's like, I don't think the dog eats. He just sits there and he stares at me and it cuts to the dog and it's just staring at him. And then he's like, he goes, here, here you go, boy, and throws like some bacon at him and it just hits him in the head and bounces off. Yeah, it just doesn't react to it. There's just zero reaction to the bacon. That is that that first of all, what a good dog. What a great find of a dog. Oh, yeah. He, of actor he, dog. He's got yeah. one little under tooth sticking out. Yeah, he's just real gross. I, I he's when, yeah. he's mostly like a, a robot, like puppet thing. It mostly in the movie, but that, like that's some yeah that baffled me of like when it would. I was like, is that that can't be an animatronic, is it? Like that just seems like something he wouldn't pay for. Well, I don't. I don't even think. I don't. I think calling it animatronic is uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's charitable. I, yeah, yeah, I, pretty charitable. Yeah, no, I think it was literally just a stuffed dog with a mechanical mouth that opened and closed. And that's okay. It. That's what Tara was like. Hey, I'm checking this out if you want it. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I, I, I feel like it is. So they have a weird dog that, that just stares at them all the time. Argonaut. Argonaut, yes. And then we learn that time 
time right. in general is speeding up. And so yeah. things that were, were like he like their dad thought he had five minutes to spare to have breakfast with them. And, it, and he ran, he he didn't have it. And he was like, oh, I must have lost track of time. But as we learn, time is slowly speeding up where we're like we're losing uh, hours into like days and days yeah. into weeks. And we are quite literally running out of time. Exactly. It's kind of a scary concept. It's honestly kind of a reoccurring nightmare that I have from time to time. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, of like, you know, you wake up and then like you you blink and it's like five o'clock in the afternoon and you didn't get anything done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's it, it really is a nightmare. I was I was like, it's kind of ahead of a cool concept. That, that was something that I yeah, that was uh, I could see that if that was in a Marvel comic or something, I would be like, oh, that's a cool. Device. Yeah. Yeah. Re- we learned that Rebecca doesn't trust her stepmom. Hates she her. thinks. Yeah. Hates her. Thinks that she's hiding stuff from them. And that's why she doesn't trust her and, and hates her as a result. Um, and it's because she is supposedly an inter- interior designer, and she's like, "But look at this place." That was a solid joke. I thought that, that was, was pretty pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> she's like, "You're telling me she's an interior designer? Look at this place." And you know, thinking about it now in retrospect, it's like kind of cool that you know Rebecca like want, was looking for a reason to not like her because she was like, "You're not mom." You know, her their mom right. passed away. Right. And c- clocked that Jessica Alba was keeping a secret because she was. And you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of coming from a real place. Yeah. It's weird that Cecil has no opinion. No, Cecil C- 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 has no opinion whatsoever. But he- what he does have is a- <laughs> he has um, he can turn his sister down when she's like talking about shit he doesn't care about. <laughs> he just he just <laughs> he just turns his hearing aids down and he's just like, I can't hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it. But what he does say is, and this is just, I guess this is just true in the Spy Kids universe, because it is consistent with <laughs> Ricardo Montalban. He uh. specifically says, because of my hearing disability, all of my other senses are heightened. I forgot. I think I missed that. Which is very similar yeah, I to Ricardo Montalban's stronger and smarter because his legs t- don't work. I, I now have to assume that's, I now have to assume that's just something that Rodriguez thinks is true. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so, I don't remember that he said it, so it was probably said very straightly and, you know, like, matter-of-factly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. They, can just, they can just be people. They can just be characters. They don't have to, it's like... <laughs> innate gifts yeah i don't know uh we also learn about rebecca's history of practical jokes she loves practical jokes she loves like rube goldberg-esque machines that lead in like goop and gunk and slime falling on uh grown-ups right because it smells like things that you can scratch on a little card and then smell it smell it smell the puke smell yeah so she talks to marissa marissa like tries to level with her gives her a necklace Mm -hmm. as a present that she immediately has to take back because the the that was so weird wants it that whole little arc was so weird and we'll get into it but yeah it happened immediately it was like yeah it's like literally 30 seconds of screen time so she has like you know story time like hey this belonged to my mom and it means a lot to the family i'm giving it to you yeah and so she's like wow that that's really nice but then on her way out she gets hit by one of Rebecca's practical jokes and gets like blue cheese poured on top yeah, of her. So, yeah, Cecil says like, oh, you're giving her the old blue cheese special. And so I thought it was going to be just like a big old plastic bag full of blue cheese. But then it's it's literally like the color blue slime. Yeah, I, I assume 
it's white queso that she's dyed blue. Oh, okay. That's my guess. Um, it was, you know, I guess it was an effective moment because, like, I didn't want it to happen. Right. I was like, oh, no, they connected, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think the idea of Rebecca being, like, a little Weisenheimer is interesting, and I think maybe it's the casting, but maybe it's also the writing. I don't think they go far enough. Well, my my issue with her having the practical joke thing the reason I don't like it is because it's not real. It's not, okay. it has no basis in reality. You know, kids do not have these kinds of resources. Yeah. You know, yeah. Junie, Junie really felt like a real, I remember in 2001, yes. like, God, I remember being that kid. Cause he has like his favorite TV show and he wants the toys of it. And then he has like drawings. Yes. And yeah, I, he didn't have like a thing of like, right. I'm a, like a, yeah. Like Lewis Stevens from even Stevens. Right. Right. He's he was a real kid. Carmen was a real kid. These mm. are not real kids. Yeah, uh, I I think because thinking about it, I didn't. Uh, Carmen and Junior are both kind of like good kids. Like, yeah, they kind of get good grades. They have good relationships with their family. They don't get getting. I mean, Carmen like would fly to Buenos Aires by herself, but it, it'd be cool if like one spy kid was like a real bastard. Well, yeah, because like, well, okay, so like, so like Rebecca's thing. I can't even describe Rebecca as a character outside mm. of her practical jokes. Yeah, because they don't. It's not like she's ever. It's not like Bart Simpson, where you can kind of see the the, the 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 strings pulling. Right. Of he just likes to fuck with people and like you right. know crank for his own humor because he's she's yeah it they don't it's like disconnected from anything she does or her character. Right. Right. And then it's like, but then like Cecil, at least I can describe. I can be like, well, Cecil. Is like if Wallace Wells and Fraser Crane were a child, that's yeah. Cecil. Mm-hmm. But that's not far enough. Vibe. Not as entertaining as what, what our listener is picturing in our head. Like, no, not as would... entertaining as either of those. Watered down. Like that, but then diluted. Yeah, because it would be hilarious if there was like a little 10-year-old Fraser that hated getting dirty or, you know, kind of like almost like a little Bilbo. Oh, my God. And then ended up being like the Q of the Spy Kids Oh, agents. that would be great. Yeah. Because uh, he even, if I'm not mis- <laughs> no, never mind. I'm getting the cartoon mixed up. Listeners, I watched an episode of the animated series um, with the worst sound mixing I've ever seen in yeah. any professional thing ever. I, I, I texted Scott a video because it's like, yeah, I, I was like, hey, there's a Spy Kids animated series. We were talking about it during one of the episodes. Yeah. Uh, what if there was? But there is. And I watched it. And, yeah. and not only is there, but it's about the Cortez family. Yeah, it has Carmen and G- God. I mean, we can get into that after the walkthrough yeah. if you want. Or I can talk about it right now and then never bring it up. <laughs> yeah. But cliff notes. Fucking horrible sound mixing. The, yeah. the clip that I sent Scott, you could barely hear uh, Antonio Banderas and Carlo Gugino over like the score. Yeah. And Scott. That, not really them. Not no, not, really no, no them. absolutely not really them. <laughs> yeah. um, Scott, that did not go away. I had to, turn on, I had to turn on subtitles. Because I couldn't. Oh my he- god! So it's kind of a reboot because, like, yeah. they're not spy kids, but okay. But then they are because, okay. So like the the okay. So the third the third brain. Remember the third brain? Yeah. Uh, and Tony Banderas is like, I I had a master brain, but then it went missing and we lost it. And then that's the bad guy. It becomes like Ultron. It became like sentient. Oh shit. Yeah, that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. But so then they're like, oh, it's the master brain. So it knows all of the OSS agents moves. 
So none of our agents are effective. Oh, the spike, the Carmen and Junie, they could, Um, they don't know any of that. And so I'm like, okay, it's like a retelling. I get, okay. But then Carmen and Junie have to recruit a new team of spy kids, right? uh Uh-huh. And one of the kids that the recruits is Floop's daughter. What? And Cortez is like, who are you? It's like, I'm Julia Floop. Because she has like a pet, she has like a thumb thumb as like a butler. And it's like, we'll never work with Floop. Floop's our enemy. Like, you're you're the daughter of a baggage. I'm like, wait, so that did happen? But it didn't involve them? And it, or it so did. Like, so it's like, they're at once talking about events that happened in the Spy Kids movies and acting like this is the first time that Carmen and Junie are being Spy Kids. Is, yeah, that's so weird. Carmen and Junie are the, like, just, I, I hate being critical about this. But it's also kind of like, like you said, lowest common denominator. Uh, yeah Junie sucks the arc in this first episode is Junie just wants to go in guns blazing and look cool and not think about anything and carmen is like strategy we need to plan ahead which i feel like is the opposite of who they are right yes 100 um, so i watched yeah i watched one episode it was the longest 20 minutes of my life i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend it the longest 20 minutes of my life were every t- t- 20, 20 minutes 20 minutes of this yeah. movie okay okay so, <laughs> sorry for that sojourn and spike his mission critical what, what, where were we last in the okay so so uh rebecca has to get the necklace back yes or, or, or give the necklace back and sets up a trap for her stepmom because she's like fuck you you gave me this necklace i'm gonna keep it forever Mm-hmm. Which is like a real aggro way of like, <laughs> of like caring about a thing that your stepmom gave you. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm gonna uh, keep it. Yeah. So then we're introduced to the timekeeper. Now, not to be time- confused with TikTok. Right. Not to be confused with TikTok. So t- the timekeeper is a dude in like an all leather outfit, leather like coat, mm-hmm. and and like like a three piece leather outfit with a like a latex mask that you would get at like a, at like a, like a spirit Halloween, Mm -hmm. you know, not a party city, but a spirit Halloween, a a spirit Halloween. That would be like, you know, like a $50 mask or whatever, but a latex mask of a clock of like a, like Cogsworth kind of clock. Yeah. Right. So he's like, I'm taking time because none of you guys appreciate it, et cetera, et cetera. So this is supposed to be a big mystery as to who it is. Now, at this point in the movie, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so that's just another Jeremy Piven. These are all Jeremy Pivens. Okay, fine. Whatever. Okay. But there's an arc to this. We'll get there. So wait, uh, are you going to talk about the best part of that video? Oh, go ahead. Um, so while the timekeeper is giving his like, you don't appreciate time, so I will take it away speech. TikTok just walks past the camera. Yeah. And then realizes he's on camera and like, oh shit. Yeah. And like, uh, like, wait a yeah, please. Like one of those video clips from Forrest Gump where he just like <laughs> wanders into history and is yeah. like, oh, there's a camera and well, then wanders out. <laughs> and Marissa's like, wait a second. And she rewinds it. And I'm like, She's that like, he's out. And I'm like, you know what? It was quick. It got it out of the way. It did. But it was like, well, then why did we capture him to begin with? Like how yeah. Anyway. Um so okay, so now we know that the team, the timekeeper is TikTok's boss, mm-hmm. and and there we go. So then, uh, Marissa needs the necklace back. We get the she why takes it into, does she need the necklace back? Because it's a MacGuffin. It's a Chrono something. The Chrono Crystal, yeah, Chrono okay. Crystal, yeah. That's gonna like reset time or something. Mm-hmm. So 
she gives it back to her in a box, in like a necklace, a jewelry box. She drives to work. She gives it to Jeremy Piven, her M, her boss. Jeremy danger. Piven opens it. Yeah, Danger. His name's Danger. And he opens the box and baby food like gets tossed in his face. Yeah. And he's like, because, hey, what's the haps? I got hit with baby yeah. food. <laughs> yeah, that's how he talks. And that is not an exaggeration. That is literally how he talks. So he gets baby food. I can only imagine what it smelled like on the car. So she built like a tiny spring contraption inside of the, the jewelry box in like yes. 10 seconds. Right. And how? That's crazy. She's like four. That's not that's not a real yeah, that's not a real child. Anyway. <laughs> so so she's like, and 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 what I love is Marissa's reaction to just being like, ah, yeah, I, I'll okay. get it. It's 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 and then, all right. And like, then this really bugged me. Then Danger was like, ah, you know what? Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. We don't really need it. And she's like, oh, you, you mean you mean Rebecca can keep the necklace? Oh, that's good. She'll really appreciate that. And I'm like, well, then wh- yeah. what the what was the point well, of the last but, two minutes of them? Okay, please. But but that was a lie because he's sending people to the house to go get it. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that was a lie. Cool. Right. Yeah, because we don't we don't you know we don't know supposedly, that yet. We're not supposed to know that he's the bad guy. But yeah, that's... <laughs> somehow we're not supposed to know that he's yeah. All he needed to know is where it is, and now he's going to send. Yeah. You know, other versions of himself to go get it. Mm-hmm. So, and then they do come, right? Is that like the next scene? Is they come? Yeah, like, yeah, for they come, scene? and then they have to go to the panic room. This is the reveal that the dog is a robot named Argonaut, voiced by Ricky Gervais, yes. and it is one of the most mind-numbingly annoying things about this movie. Like it, I, I was furious every time he would talk and not stop talking. So everything that he said was awful. So here's the thing, yeah. Apparently, Robert Rodriguez was a fan of uh, Ricky Gervais has these series of children's books called Flanimals. I've never read them, but his kids like them. And that was kind of his like, oh, I'll call Ricky Gervais because like he can be the I think Ricky Gervais is only funny when it's like just him. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like the Ricky Gervais show, like the OG podcasts. Uh huh. I haven't enjoyed a lot of the times that he's like just been in a movie or been in something else, someone else's work. Yeah, um, where where are you at with Ricky Gervais? Oh, I can't stand him. Okay, because it's I, I I can't stand him. I can't stand his his shtick. I can't stand anything that he's ever done. The only thing that I think is is remotely watchable is the UK Office, but I can't even watch that now because you hate um, you and you have a low threshold for like cringe awkward. I I do I do that's true, but there is enough earnest stuff in there that I can usually get through. Yeah, like, oh, this is a good show. Yeah, but there's but there's. Yeah, just there's something about Ricky um, Gervais. He is like the the opposite of whatever I yeah. like. And I don't and know. and kind of going back to what you said about Lois Commons, and he is literally just a talking sidekick. Yes, of like all of his lines are kind of interchangeable. Of like, yes. talk to the paw, you yeah. know, puke in the bag, not on my fur. For a long time, Bethany was convinced. Oh God, that Bethany, he, watched this with you. Yeah, yeah, Bethany was convinced. That he did not know if he was a dog or a cat. <laughs> oh, really? Because, like, up until a certain point, there was there was no line in it that was dog specific. Okay, yeah, he's not like, give me a bone or like, yeah, I yeah. need a walk. That, yeah, but then about an hour in, he like finally made like a dog centric pun or something. Yeah. Well, he makes a like, okay. he make he he uh, he bla- he like makes a mark against cats at some point. I remember that's the one. That was yeah. it. That was the thing. He's like, you know, like, oh, oh there it is. Now he knows fucking he's a dog. cats. You're a robot. You're not a real dog. It's you dumb fucker. It's it's Frank the pug all over again. <laughs> oh my god. 
Yes. Yes. This has a lot of connections to uh, Men in Black International. Sure. In or Men in Black light. 2. Yeah. Yeah. And Men in Black 2. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway. So they escape. Yeah. And then they get the reveal that that their stepmom is a spy. And then Rebecca gets to say the line. Yep. She can't be a spy. She's not cool enough. I can see why you would say this feels like it's not a Robert Rodriguez movie because that's such a reach of a callback. Yeah. That it feels like an idea someone who's not Robert Rodriguez would have. Right. Your your problem with your stepmom is not that she's not cool. <laughs> yeah. Her thing is like you don't care about us. You only care about yourself. So right. it's like kind of like you're you're too cool. You're too in your own shit. You're not like a dork. Yeah. It's I, it's it's it just a it's, it's a, a stretch. Yeah. It's a stretch. Kind of just like a remix of the first two cuz don't they escape in like a jet? Yeah, they escape in like a jet that like can split apart when they have to take evasive maneuvers. Yeah. And then this is when the puke bombs thing happens because he throws up in a bunch of bags and then he starts throwing the bags at the the guys that are following them. If I'm a kid in 2011 in the movie theater and I'm holding a card and the the screen is telling me to scratch it so I can smell the puke that yeah. Cecil's I'm just not gonna. Cuz if I remember correctly, I think that None of them tell you what they are. They were just like little circles and they were numbered. And there was like, not like a picture saying like, this is what this is. They were just numbered. (laughs) And then the number would come up where it was like scratch number three. And then you smell it and it's like, oh, baby shit. Oh, (laughs) yeah. You know, I wrote this in my notes. I wrote just because you're not wrong doesn't make it right. And (laughs) And I think what I meant was like, just because kids probably are going to laugh at this because they're kids. That's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't, I also feel like I never went through a phase where even when I was like watching Rugrats, I remember as a kid being like, oh, come on. No, the only, the only excuse to do something like that is like, like in the case of like something like Axe Cop, where you're literally letting a kid drive the ship creatively. Sure. Yeah. Then it's like, well, now we can sit, blame the fucking kid and be like, well, the kid told us to do it because he <laughs> thought that would be funny and other kids like it. So the kid made a funny thing for other kids. OK, great. Done. Yeah. yeah. You know, but like if you're a grown ass 50 plus year old man <laughs> and you're making this for kids like, fuck you, man. Like, don't don't talk down to them like yeah. this. Like, you're- give them what they need, not what they want. Yeah, it's one thing for a kid to make a little comic for his friends called like Puke Man, the man who throws puke. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I don't. Um, I was shocked that there was no booger stuff in this. Not a, not a, uh, there kind of is. Well, there's, there's a nose picking joke. Oh, yeah, but, that's right. That's like, right. That's like right. Sh- Shrek has a lot of potty like bathroom humor, but I feel like even Shrek, there's like a, a, a cleverness and inventiveness to it. Yeah. No, Shrek Shrek is like is like a four-star Michelin restaurant compared to this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like when Shrek <laughs> farts and like dead fish float to the top of the water, like yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah. Him, him, like, <laughs> now that's comedy. <laughs> that's comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote in my review in the Los Angeles Times. Yeah, it's just like it feels stupid to say this, but like this is the most juvenile Spy Kids movie. Yeah. Like Having watched the other three so recently, it, it I don't know. There's just kind of there's there's a difference between stuff that feels like it was made like by a kid or like with a yeah. kid. You feel like the thing things like Coraline or Goosebumps. Yeah. But then there's stuff that 
is like clearly made by an adult to market to kids or yeah. for kids to like. And yeah, like plenty of stuff that I watched as a kid falls into that. Like I, I loved Space Jam. I loved the Pokemon movies and, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I'm not above commercial product. I just. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, if the, if the, I mean, you know, this isn't the most commercial movie as it turns out. Oh, oh, so while we're on the chase thing, I wanted to talk about the, the goons because I actually think the goons are kind of indicative of the movies of the this movie itself. Yeah. So if you think about Spy Kids one, Mm -hmm. you had the thumb thumbs. Yes. Hell yes. Yeah. Like big visual. They look fun. You know what they look like when when they're dressed like ninjas, but they're so clearly like a thumb thumb. Like that's fun. And then in Spy Kids, Spy Kids two, you had the magnet men. Yeah. Which like big visual, strong silhouette of like they have a magnet on their head and they have like sunglasses. Yeah. But in this one, like I already I just saw it like three hours ago and I couldn't describe what the goons look like. They're gray. They have gray. Yeah. I like their faces are covered. Right. Do they have clocks on their faces? No, those are different ones. I liked those guys. Oh, okay. Or maybe they did have clocks on their faces and I didn't notice. Also, they just kind of had like. Like staffs, their weapons were just kind of. I don't know. There, there was just like an absence of the visual creativity yeah. that the other ones had. Yeah. It felt a little like he lost interest halfway through making this movie and then was like, well, fuck. I have I to guess, make it. Yeah, I have to make I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, would this have benefited from like someone with a lot of ideas or mm-hmm. someone that's never made a Spy Kids movie before and can maybe look at it from a different angle? Yeah. Yeah. Or like. I go go on the axe cop route with the Spy Kids movie where he just like talks to a kid and is like, what would you want to see in a Spy Kids movie? And just taking ideas from these kids. Whoa, Scott. Um, so what you're talking about is the adventures yeah. of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, that right. mo- that movie is like kind of co-written by his son and inspired by drawings that his son made. I, I think by 2011, these these kids were adults. That's a problem, too, because then it's like he's not making it for his kids anymore. Yeah. And then, like, why are you making it then? Right. Give it to somebody else. Well, is any of this from Rodriguez's imagination the way the other things are? But it doesn't feel like it is. No, no. So, okay. So they arrive at the OSS. Yeah. successfully barfed those guys into death. Yeah. And then that's when uh, we get the return of Carmen Cortez. Yes. And we also get the reveal, Scott, that Carmen is Marissa's niece. Right. More to the point, Marissa is a Cortez. She is the sister, the middle sister or younger sister of Antonio Banderas and Danny Trejo. Right. The sister that was also estranged, I guess. That they never, yeah. They never talked about her. How did you feel about that? Was that a fun or was Carmen's appearance a surprise for you? No, I assumed that they were going to be in it. I was I was surprised at how much of the movie that she's in. Yes. Okay. so so she shows up. She shows the kids around the OSS Mm -hmm. and then shows them the old spy kids division, which is closed off, has been closed off for seven years. So the spy kids division closed due to budget cuts one year after Spy Kids 3D. That's a bummer. Junior really got out while the getting was good. Yeah. And so she's showing them around and we're seeing like the jetpacks and the helicopter, like the helicopter, just uh, like a bunch of shit. From there's the, a, like, <laughs> here's a bunch of shit from the old movies, kids. <laughs> yeah. There's a fun moment where Carmen's Carmen's head is behind. She's behind her suit from Spy Kids 3D. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm not so, gonna lie. This 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 got me. Like I I had fun seeing all the the props with like dust covering them, and you know, like the yeah. retired Ralphs. But it really it was like it made the difference between this and those so much more stark. Yeah, because I was looking at this room and being like, look at the imagination in this room. Mm-hmm. And then they leave that room and the imagination never returns. Right. Like even um, OSS now just looks like another place. Yeah. I'm I'm fairly certain there's only one hallway. <laughs> yeah. And then you just keep shooting it from different angles like that street in Austin. That could be entirely true. Yeah. So, so uh, I mean, it definitely seems his style. For oh, sure. oh, so this is okay. So they each take a souvenir quote. Right. Like, but he's not, she's, she's not going to activate them. Yeah, which what whatever. So yeah. so uh Rowan Blanchard takes um a bag of tricks, like a like a, a bag of different little mini prank stuff. But yeah. Cecil just takes two metal fists. And and boots. And boots. That are supposed to like make him jump high and punch hard. Yeah. Which is like that's that's pretty cool, but like I don't I don't know. It's like why does she get a character themed prop, but you just get like fists and boots because he doesn't he doesn't, doesn't have any he doesn't have a thing like they're <laughs> together they form like they voltron together to form one three-dimensional child right. but yeah <laughs> but as but separate they're like both half a kid mm-hmm. i don't know and and i'm sorry robert Rodriguez. i know you don't seem to know how like biology works you think that when you lose a sense your other sense oh, right. thing. So it's a but twins. that's not a, <laughs> twins are not a single child that has been split into two <laughs> separate bodies. <laughs> right. Together we would equal one person but split apart. Right? That's how that's how twins work? Like 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 Voltron, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Was it fun for, was it fun seeing you know, because you kind of went on a journey with with Carmen, you know? Like you, you started Spy Kids One, now here we are, she's all grown up. Did that kind of yeah. bring a smile to your face or being like a grown yeah. up OS? Yeah. No, I like that. I I will say that it it was it made me a little sad that she like had to do this. <laughs> sure. You know, I was like I I was hoping that she would have been in a better place at this point, but she's in one of the machetes wearing barely any clothes, which really freaks me out. It it yeah, like yeah, I I think yeah, I I found out watching like behind the scenes stuff that uh, uh Rodriguez gave Alexa Vega away at her wedding. Wow. Like like walked her down the aisle. That's amazing. In a in wow. a in a black formal cowboy hat. Yeah, and then you and, put her in a in a skimpy bikini. Yeah, like I don't think I could do that. No way. That's fucking weird, man. Like, okay, yeah. Like, where it's like I'm gonna I, oh you know I wanted to write a role for her, so you're gonna play cherry bomb the stripper with exploding boobs. I forgot. I don't oh you, my like, god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no, thank you. That's Skeevy. so creepy. Sorry, Robert. I'm sure you you were well meaning, but my God, no. It's so okay. So here's where the twist starts to happen with mm. my brain, where I suddenly start becoming a better writer than Robert Rodriguez in a moment, <laughs> sure. because she was like, "They're like, so what, what? Where's your brother?" And she was like, "We don't talk about that anymore." Yep. And I was like, "Oh shit! Is Judy Time Master?" That's exactly I what like, I thought. I, I fucking I was like, that's gonna rule. He's yeah. gonna be Time Master. The whole movie I thought that. Because yeah. 
He's all I, at first. Yeah. I was fully on board for Piven. I was like, I was like, a hundred percent, it's going to be Piven. And then when that moment happened, I was like, oh shit, it's going to be Junie. That's yeah. fucking crazy. Because yeah. all of his suddenly, all of his like, you took family for granted, and like, you know, you're not appreciating time. Like, yeah, that sounds like warped, evil Junie. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be really cool to like see. And then it it doesn't, and I was bummed. No, it's just pivot it's just another because junie even like eventually like uh, like a few scenes down the line he shows back up because they yeah. call him in to help save the day with this whole time time master thing timekeeper time timekeeper yeah timekeeper thing and he's like got a leather jacket and like you know he's like cool and like mm. they're trying to lean into the fact that like he's the antonio banderas now dog yeah the, the one laugh that it got out of me actually there's two so one, the first one is um when he's making his big hero entrance, there's like a bunch of OSS people in like lab coats that are like applauding him. Yeah. And one guy goes like, yeah. Yeah, that is good. That is good. This is really yeah. fun. Anyway. Yeah. So that's a real bummer that he ends up not being the bad guy because mm-hmm. that would have been a really cool twist. Or Junie wants to like fucking bring back the Spy Kids division and like he's creating this whole scenario just yeah. to like. Because he's like, it's fucking bullshit that it's gone. They never should have closed it. Yeah. 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 God, that would have ruled too. Anyway. Okay. So so the rest of this movie, I don't really want to go through the step-by-step walkthrough because it starts getting really fucking confusing. But Busy, for sure. Very busy. But basically, they find out about the spy kids. They do some spy kids shit. They get locked in a room twice. So some, some highlights I wanted to get your opinion on. Okay. There's a part where they regroup with Marissa and Carmen, the kids. Yeah. And there's like a a stretch of like a minute where every time a character says something, Argonaut has to get a line in. Yes. And I uh, yeah, I'm sure that must have been like the height of your um No, that was me like just uh, wanting to die. There was a point in this movie where I was pausing it every 5 minutes and just like rubbing <laughs> my face. No, this felt I like just, yeah. This felt like the longest one. Oh, I couldn't handle it. And it's the shortest one. Wow, really? Yeah, it's 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 a buck twenty-two with credits. Whoa. Yeah. But yeah, like Rick, he's literally like, remember that kid in your class that wouldn't say anything funny? He would just be like, not. Or like, yeah. If, if you were stupid, he's like just doing that. Yeah. And it was um, insane. it was it drove me fucking crazy. And then the other thing I thought you were going to talk about is after everyone, after Argonaut says, it, it alternates between mm-hmm. Argonaut saying a thing after everyone says a thing and Jeremy Piven saying a time-based pun oh, yeah. in response to everything that everyone says. For sure. Or just saying a time saying. Oh, one thing I did like, what did you think of the time flies? What, I don't, what the fuck were those? What were I they doing? I, I don't remember, but he pulls them out and says, time flies, you're having fun. And then he, I think they're like little gnat drone robots yeah but what did, why are they time flies i don't know i think they just like yeah they, they, yeah. yeah what do you mean you don't know that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fucking problem oh, what what did you what did you there's a moment where cecil is in a room full of bad guys and he's like don't make me punch your lights out and then he turns off the lights and they're like animated gloves in the dark and they're blue and they just do crazy punching stuff and i remember thinking like i bet this looked cool in 3d Hopefully. Oh, I hope so. I I would hope that that's true. I yeah, because it was like it was just like, well, I guess that's that's a way to save money, Robert. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. Sure. 
It's like that you, one. Piece. You didn't do it for the dog later. Yeah, you, you <laughs> let the you let us watch the dog, but you don't let the kid have a cool moment. That was nuts. Attack mode. Yeah, attack mode where he's just as sarcastic and and pithy, but then like <laughs> flips around and kicks people in the face. Uh, Rebecca gets like a full Home Alone set piece moment where she makes a trap out of Spy Kids gadgets. Yeah. Carmen gets to say shiitake mushrooms, which, yeah, that was, that felt, that yeah. was sweaty. That yeah, was, that's the words. Yeah. <laughs> that was sweaty. <laughs> and it was just like, you could tell she just hated, she hated saying it. She hated that she had just said it. Like, <laughs> it was just all over her face. It was rough. Oh, you know what's um, crazy? So there's a part where, like, the, the thing happens and everyone, all the OSS agents get frozen. Mm-hmm. And that's why they have to call in the spy kids. In- yeah. Including bizarrely Danny Trejo. Right. Who is now like a lab technician. Yeah. And he's just in frozen. like a weird cameo where like he does. That's it. That's, that's, the, that's the first and only time we see him. Yeah. So weird. But then uh, Junie doesn't get frozen because he's like, oh, I'm not. He's like, I don't understand. Why did this happen? Because she threw away your badge, you dumb fucker like i I was like so furious i don't know that got me just because i had forgotten that carmen did that yeah yeah oh that's right that did happen like five minutes ago oh man so so the thing that bugs me about junie in this movie is like okay so at the beginning of game over right he has a sort of cool vibe to him in in that he's like doing his own thing and it's like kind of like ironic because he's like a kid or whatever and yeah. so like that's like where it's funny it's like he's being like cool guy and like it's um, kind of a it's kind of it's kind of cool because he's just himself right like there's that moment where they're like well who are you supposed to be and Salma Hayek's like special agent Cortez like we need you like I'm just Junie like he's just he's just doing cool stuff so he's cool it doesn't matter right. that he's like kind of but he is kind of a dork he's like a right right but then here he's just cool guy yeah like girls are like looking like you know the other oss agents are like oh junie and he's kind of like a um like a burnout yeah where he's like oh, i never got better than <laughs> than then than those days it sucks i, I don't kinda, know yeah i feel like he would have a more honest for me a more honest grown-up junie would be like almost kind of like hank mccoy from the x-men prequels where he, yeah he kind of like straightened out and maybe became like a tech guy or a professor guy but yeah. if you like threw a, a a coffee mug at him he would still like kung fu catch it oh sure yeah that would be cool but he, yeah he's like a leather jacket sp- sunglasses wearing dude yeah and i get that again i get that they're <laughs> going for a, like he's the antonio banderas now mm-hmm. oh uh, there's one moment that i liked where they're like in quick quicksand of numbers remember that yeah carmen's like why did you leave you left for like seven years what happened and he's like i don't know i i thought it wasn't cool that i was still working with my sister and she was like that's what made you cool yeah and i was like one of the few moments that like really had like resonant that resonated with me yeah but i wish it had been thrown away a bit more like it would have oh, been yeah, for sure and like it would have felt more like them if he was she was like i don't know i didn't think it was cool being with my sister anymore and she was like that's the only thing that made you cool yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that would have been like, you would have felt yeah. more like them you know yeah where where she delivers it like it's the theme of the movie like it's in italics 
Yeah, and it's like that's not the theme of the movie though. Like yeah. Like Cecil it's not like Cecil thinks that he's not cool for hanging out with his sister. Like that's Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's it's disconnected again. It's completely disconnected. So so all of this to be said, everybody is Jeremy Piven. He's he he's a kid from the past who got frozen and his dad was like also played by Jeremy Piven. His dad What the hell was was that? I don't know. His dad was like experimenting with time and the kid gets stuck in the time freeze and he doesn't know how to unfreeze his kid. And then his dad gets old and dies. I, and I watched my dad out, die as an old yeah, man. And then they figure out how to unfreeze him. And now he's an adult in a child's body. Yeah. And then so there's a moment where G- where Cecil realizes like you've done this before. You've gone back before. Each time you go back, there is no such thing as going back in time. Every time you try to go back in time, you just create an alternate version of yourself. And so right. those are what all of the clock goons are. And TikTok is just another version of himself. The timekeeper is just another version of this person. And I was like, this is this is basically primer. Yeah. Like that's primer, right? As you just keep creating alternate versions of yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, what a heady thing to bring in like in the last like ten minutes of the of your of your of your poop and fart movie. And here's the thing, man. Okay. I'm going to pitch you a better version of what this is. Sure. Okay. So, you know, we talked to you were like, how do we do, like, do they have to be brother and sister? You know, mm-hmm. the answer is no. The answer is no. The answer is the only kid in this, Cecil's gone. Get rid of Cecil. Okay. Okay. It's just Rebecca mm-hmm. and struggling with the stepmom, right? And maybe she even has to like carry around the baby the whole time. Like maybe maybe that's part of that. If you want your like and sibling well, thing, yeah. Instead right? of Jessica Alba, it's instead of Jessica Alba, right? It's her, because um, she she like pulls her into the maybe she has to babysit her instead of her taking her to work, and she pulls her into the safe room. The whole thing. But yeah, the point yeah, is, please, she has a best friend, and it's a boy, and the boy is her best friend, and they are going through this whole adventure together. She's learning that her family's like spy kids, like mm-hmm. the whole the whole thing. And he's like a Ron Stoppable. Right. And and then the reveal at the end is that the kid is Jeremy Piven. Well, he was the time kid. He is the kid. He, like he is like he is wow. going to grow up to become Jeremy Piven and cause all of this. Oh, OK. He's like the original time kid. Yeah. Right. OK. Yeah. And then makes the decision to not. Like where Jeremy right. Piven's not from the past, he's from like the, the future, future. Mm-hmm. and the kid is from modern day. And maybe the kid lot or maybe the kid is like, is like Jessica Alba's son. Right. Yeah. Or something. And but, they're like step siblings. Yeah. Yeah. Like it becomes, that. it becomes like two families. Yeah. Joining. He's like, well, I have my own thing. Yeah. And then like, he makes a decision to not go back and see his father again. And like, cause that's what he's hung up on the whole movie. Mm hmm. It's like, I want to see my dad again. And it's like, it's like, well, you have a dad. It's like, well, that's not really my dad. Well, that's not really my mom. Like, right, that's, right, right, right. yeah, yeah. That's, that's all something. there. And then it's like, oh, like I can just be in this new family and accept these things. And then all of the Jeremy Pivens disappear. And it's like, none of it happened. Yeah. Cause like they don't, they all stay. And it has nothing to do with anything that's going on. Like Jeremy Piven's whole thing is just like, I was cheated out of a life with my dad. Yeah. And I, that sucks. And then it's like, Joel McHale is a workaholic and never sees his kids. And he's like the whole movie, his like side mission thing in this is like, 
I want to see my kids, but like I got to find a spy or I'm going to lose my career. Right. He's like, as soon as I do this, then I'll have, quote, all the time in the world to right. spend with my kids. And then his cameraman is like, don't wait. Right. Dude, but none wait. of, but that is such a small part of the overall movie. Mm hmm. The main focus is that Rebecca doesn't like her stepmom and won't accept her stepmom. But it's like, it's like she can't get over the fact that her mom died the same way that Jeremy Piven can't get over the fact that his dad died. But then, like, she wants to spend more time with her dad, and so does he. But those two things don't. It's right. it's like you can like blur it. Like, like, like I can take off my glasses and look at it from a distance and be like, I guess all of that mushes together. Mm -hmm. But like, you I know, think, I think this could have benefited from Rodriguez really taking his fears head on and yeah. like telling a story about like kids getting older. Yeah. Of like, oh, the kids don't, you know, because that's the thing when you're a kid is you're like, oh, I don't want to spend time with my family. I just want to be with my friends or go do my own thing. But then when you get older, you're like, oh, my God, what I wouldn't give to like. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. So that could be like learning about like maybe she doesn't spend time with Jessica Alba anymore. Right. Where it's like, oh, right. we used to be best pals. I guess that's kind of what Antonio Bader is. But if, like, if you want, it's called All the Time in the World. If that's the theme of your movie. Right. Then right. why not consolidate all of that towards that? But my, my issue is just that like that theme has nothing to do with Jessica Alba and Rebecca. Yeah. And that's like what the movie primarily focuses on. Right. It focuses all of its time on that. Mm -hmm. I, it's, yeah yeah you know what they're all intended every every <laughs> time pun okay i've never seen a movie where a bad guy gets what he wants mm -hmm. so tiktok gets what he wants he does get to go back in time and he meets his dad and then he comes out of the time portal an old man yeah and he's like it still wasn't enough it was never and i'm like okay that's a cool of like oh it you're oh this there's this is the moment where Jeremy Piven like goes for the Oscar in Spy Kids Four. Yeah, for yeah, like where you're tier. like, wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> where it's like the moral that he came to is like, there's no amount of time you can clock in with the people that you love to avoid missing them when they're gone. Right. Like you could not see them forever, or you could spend every day with them, but you know when they leave you, you're still going to feel that that pain, and you can't avoid yeah. that. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's a wisdom to that, but. It feels very sewn on to the movie we've been watching, you know? Yeah. Like you said, like, P Piven's going for it. I guess it kind of reminds me of how, like, Maltabon goes for it, even though that moment really isn't earned. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's less successful. And I don't know if I can just chalk that up to the magic of Maltabon, but maybe I can. Yeah, I think you can. I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, Jeremy Piven's really trying to bring it, but the thing that Ricardo Montepan does is that he doesn't look down on the material, whereas Jeremy Piven is like, I'm in a kid's movie. And then suddenly out of nowhere, he's bringing it. Right. Whereas like, Ricardo Montepan's bringing it with every fucking line. You right. Know? Yeah. He's in a he's always in a real movie. But yeah. Piven's a kind of he's like, oh, I can I can goof. I can like be super big and like right. dan dance and stuff. Right. Right. So I'm genuinely trying to remember. Oh yeah, so so the okay, so yeah, the good guy or the the bad guy then coming back to the future is like, you know what? I'm gonna free everybody. Yeah. And he just he I and I was like, oh, that's interesting. The bad guy got what he wanted and then did the right thing and like freed everybody. But it's weird because they're like, he was he was like, it won't work, but then it does work. Yeah, 
So why doesn't like, the other one get to do it? Yeah. Like, it, what was with all of this series of failures? This ever-looping failure, like, it, fail-son situation, you why know? Did, why did it work that time? Right. What was different about that time? I'm worried that there is a line or a thing that does explain it, and we just have already forgotten about it. I mean... It was probably wedged between two poop jokes, so. Yeah, every, okay, so there's a scene where, um, because I was also thinking there's not enough Jessica Alba being a mom and a spy stuff. Yeah, oh, right, yeah, yeah. And there's a part where the baby, like, shits itself, and. It's constant. Yeah. and Throughout, have, throughout it. The yeah. baby is constantly shitting itself. And, the, oh, also, we're really stretching the term baby. Oh yeah, this is like this is like a two year old child. I there's, mean, it is it, has a full head of hair. There's a part where it, everyone's wrapped up, everyone's like saying goodbye, and then uh, Argonaut's like, "Hey, look, the baby is standing up," and it stands up, but it's so clearly like a year, two years old that it just looks yeah. like it's just standing up. It, it's like Michelle Tanner in season one of Full House right. size. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's, it's a big baby. Yeah. Do you know, do do we know whose kid that is? Is that anybody's kid? Oh, I didn't look it up. I don't know if that's like a Rodriguez or a Banderas. Yeah. I'm bummed Antonio Banderas didn't. It's weird that neither sibling shows up to be like, hey, sis, how's it going? Like, to validate that in a way. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Machetti's there. Right. God, there would have been such a good opportunity for him to just come smashing through the glass again. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so Junie and Carmen are like, we're going to reinstate the Spy Kids division and Cecil and Rebecca, you're going to be our first two agents. Yeah. Um, SP1 and SP2. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's it, right? Like, that's the. Yeah, that's it. They Then they, they uh, start spying on kids everywhere. Oh, right. Uh, There's the like, the, it cuts the kids in a quote, like audience. Yeah. And it's like, it, it kind of reminded me, it's like a creepier Big Brother version of the Buffy finale. Yeah, it's also like, uh, it, it also reminded me of like Star Tours, how like you go on Star Tours and they're like, uh, they yeah. pick somebody out of the audience that's the rebel spy. You're the spy, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Um, it also reminded me a little bit of the ending of Blink, where it just starts like showing yeah. footage, B-roll footage of statues. And it's like, could these be alive too? Any <laughs> one of these could be a Blink. Any one of these could be a spy kid. <laughs> and uh yeah, that's that's it. There's um... that's it. Oh, we missed we missed the part where uh, Argonaut shows off all of his extra curricular powers where he can like they're like lift my tail and he like shits out a bunch of marbles that become bombs. That can become bombs, yeah. Uh he pisses oil slick. He, yeah, he pisses oil slick and then he tells him to pull his finger and then he just farts. And he's like, I just like, I just did that because it's funny. It's like, you're a fucking robot. What the <laughs> hell is this? Who programmed you to be able to do that? Like, why? I, I was thinking, like, does, like, do, does he like, did Ricky Gervais see this? You know? Like, is he? No way. Yeah. No way. I don't know. I um, can't believe this was released in theaters. Yeah. I that's, rem- uh, that's honestly how bad it is. I was watching it and I was just like. I can't imagine watching this on a big screen on in a movie theater. Yeah, I remember actively not seeing this. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I was yeah. I was I was in Austin. So I remember like seeing the posters at like the draft house and stuff. 
I'm very interested to see what you think of Shark Boy and Lava Girl because we're kind of like looping around. So now you're going to see like 05 version of this aesthetic. And yeah, yeah. I, I'm almost interested to see if this ends up doing favors for Shark Boy and Lava Girl in your eyes. You know, it probably will. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what a what a relief. There's no one's throwing bags of shit or puke at each other. <laughs> it's not. It's not shit boy and piss girl. It's <laughs> shark boy and love girl. There's no yeah. sharks in this either. Uh, no. But uh, final yeah, thoughts on this. This is bad. Yeah, this is not, not, this is bad. not great. <laughs> and you know, I think this might be the last kind of, this might be the end of his like children's movie era. Well, no, he just did We Can Be Heroes. Oh, that's true. And that was like yeah. apparently a huge hit. On Netflix. On Netflix. Yeah. It's like, For the kid, longest yeah. time, I thought this was a Netflix movie. Spy Kids 4. I right. Yeah. It feels like one. It does feel like one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's all there is. Well, we'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, uh, take it easy. We're, uh, going, we're going from this to Wes Anderson. <laughs> In between a- us, though, next week with uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl on the Patreon. And, uh, and then the week after that, Bottle Rocket. So pivoting real hard. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to this week in which we were pivoting real pivoting. hard. <laughs> that, that, that's what he that's what he said after every take. Like, ah oh, man, I pivoted really hard on that one. <laughs> uh anyway. Uh thanks for listening. And uh we'll we'll see you next week on Franchise. Hate that Doctor. fucking dog. Hate that Hate fucking it. dog. <laughs> <laughs>